There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that we don't know about technology. This particular technology, the quote R end quote technology, the letter R that is, VR, AR, MR, I don't even know how many R's there are. But Marcy Jastrow and Christina Heller do. Let me introduce them here on the Second Level Podcast, talking about making the jump from where we are to where we are going. Hi, and welcome to The Second Level. I'm Christina Heller. And I am Marcy Jastrow. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, we are joined by the one and only Charles Babb. Charles, I've, I've known you for years, and you've worked as a creative producer now for over a decade. You created games at PlayStation. You've been in the immersive space for years, most recently producing global anime at Netflix. And now you're building a theme park at Universal. Yes. So quite the trajectory. Why don't we start at the beginning? You know, what? How did you get started in games, and what what attracted you to that space? It's so funny. I put a Facebook post up today. It was my my brother's Commodore Vic Twenty that got me involved in games, and I think I thanked him and his friends growing up. Uh, they put it in front of me when I was like six or seven, and I started trying to program and make games at that time. And I've always had an interest in games and filmmaking. And my uncle James bought us a video camera. You know, when you had the VCR, you had to plug in the video camera. Oh, so we yeah. had a Mitsubishi one that allowed us to do stop motion. So I would take my action figures and do stop motion videos with <laughs> them in the backyard uh, with my Transformers and GI Joes. So that's what got me more motivated in gaming and figuring out how games work. My first video game system was the Sega Master System, just to say my age. And I used to write game reviews and send them to Electronic Gaming Monthly every month on the games I played about what I thought about the game. That's amazing. It was either filmmaking or games. And I chose college based on filmmaking because I didn't know you could actually go to college for games or anything. Back in those days, you couldn't do it. So I'm going to just jump in and ask the question. So is that what made VR or immersive media a place for you where you felt you would thrive because you had the game background and you also had the filmmaking uh, you know, mentality? You felt that if you brought the two together, you could be an incredible creator inside VR? Absolutely. That's that's what brought it together. It was brand new. I have a thing for new and cool. I've always been on that trajectory of what's new and what's cool and how can I be involved with it? And VR was like, hey, I bring both worlds to both worlds together. And I, that was my goal was to try to bring both of those worlds together together for entertainment. And then I learned more about immersion, immersion, real life immersion, how we function in reality. And I fell down a reality rabbit hole and reality sciences. So it got really interesting. What are your thoughts on immersive today? Where do you see the the big opportunities and maybe where do you see it, you know, not not doing as well? The big opportunities, if I have to break it down into separate sec, separate sciences, augmented science is the big one. Augmented reality is going to be really, really big because it doesn't allow us to escape our current reality. But I think there's a big space for virtual reality and an entertainment space still. I, I still haven't given up that dream. I think people do want to put on some glasses and hop into the metaverse. I think that's a very big and important thing, which is that we haven't tackled the scientific problems we need to make that a reality. What happened initially, I think the vultures came in early in VR and they sucked up all the money. Everybody I knew that got rich in VR off investment took the money and went into cryptocurrencies, not even the good ones. They went into like whatever was new and hot at that, that week. But what's remaining in virtual reality and augmented reality 
in what we consider mixed reality, which is a combination of all, all our realities, is the people that really care. And I think now we're gonna see a big jump and leap forwards in VR and AR, as long as the funding's still there. Do you think that the funding will come back or do you think it's not gonna come back? I think new funding is gonna come in. I think the old funding got burnt and they probably need to be burnt because they weren't sincere about what this space could really be. And I think we're gonna see the real players come in now. And do you think that those are traditional gaming companies, traditional studios or new companies, new creators? It's gonna be a mixture, but I think new companies are gonna have to be birthed. And when I look at VR and I look at reality science, I think you need you need a drama person on your team, somebody that handles theater, somebody that handles games, somebody that handles films, and you need an illusionist. You need somebody that can do magic. And if you have those four types of personalities on your team, you can make magic happen. Because illusionists take our real reality and they flip it on us. And we miss all the tricks. And I think we have to figure that out. I want to break down the term reality science because, or the reality sciences, because I've actually never heard that term before, but I love it. What do you mean when you say the reality sciences? It's the world we live in and actually understand the biological sciences that, would, that exist in us and how we interact with animate and animate biology. For example, the reason we lean on tables, which I'm doing right now, or are leaning on a desk is because I believe the physics and the construction of it are going to hold me up but it doesn't make sense to hold me up. And so reality sciences is uh, like, why does my eye sees it, my body touches it, then I lean naturally. And there's something that causes me to want to do that. Like leaning against a standing desk, everybody does it and nobody's taught how to do that. Nobody's propped a high desk in front of you and told you to lean on it, you just naturally do. And I think that, that little thing there, that magic in between that says, you can lean on me and it's safe. And it speaks back and says, hey, I know you're leaning on me. And I'm saying, hey, I'm leaning on you. And we trust each other. And I think that's where the bond of reality science is, is trusting the environment around you. According to biology science today, I say today, they say that we block out, what, 90% of the messages our brain receives from the environment around us. That means we could be living in a room with aliens and never see them because our biology says you don't need that information. We have no idea. I think Doctor Who does a really good job explaining that. Yes, I went to, I'm a Whovian. And mm -hmm. they have a race of people that when you face them, you don't, you see them. And when you turn your back, you instantly forget who they are. They, they were even there. So they're feeding us messages all the time, but we never see them. That's fascinating. We live in a very interesting world. I think we've learned more about animals during COVID than we've ever learned before. The fact that we have a picture of lions chilling on one side of the road, like, up like a quarter of a mile up and the gazelles are laying on the other side after it's like they're all taking a siesta what do you think we've learned about people at, during COVID-19 people just like to be defiant I think we learned that at least if Americans nobody said do. yeah Americans do we didn't tell anybody to stay in they would naturally stay in you don't got to go to work today nobody would ever leave their houses people complain about going to work and wish they were home and they told they had to stay home they're like I want to go to work I want to go to work it's like we just want to be defiant and it doesn't have to be that difficult. We understand the dangers that face us. We've seen it. We watched 100,000 people die already. And we're like, you know what? I'm going to go outside and risk it all for it. Yeah, I, I don't get that. What I said to my kids today is mm -hmm. I said, OK, so let's just think about this. So we were told to stay inside for four months. And now mm -hmm. three weeks ago, we were told it's OK to go outside, just wear a mask. 
what happened? What was the difference between, you know, two and a half weeks ago or three and a half weeks ago and today? Absolutely nothing. The science didn't change. More people mm-hmm. died. It's mm-hmm. just knowing that there's a risk. Well, to bring this to bring this back to immersive, you know, I think it's, it's particularly pertinent for you because you're working in theme parks right now. Before COVID hit, Marcy and I were talking about how location-based entertainment was the the kind of shining bright light and immersive. Has COVID-19 taken the wind out of LBE sales? What does it look like now in this era? No, I think I think it's going to ignite the sales because now we have to retrofit all the stuff in theme parts to work without touching it. And we're thinking of new methodologies, new technologies to use. But it's interesting how this whole industry is changing and we have to think about things differently now. So we're going to see an infusion of technology going to theme parks, which is going to be great. We're going to see growth and people wanting when they do can get out and it is safe. They're going to see a growth of people wanting to get out and spend more time with their families. Yeah, that sounds really, really great and optimistic. But I guess there's this part of me that wonders, like, until the vaccine is is available and everybody's getting it, like, how can we congregate in in places like theme parks safely? And I think we're not going to have that. The vaccine scares me more than the actual virus right now. I think they're rushing it. And we're going, and I don't want to see uh, I am legend moment where everybody takes this vaccine. It turns us all into vampires. And I think capitalism's pushing that. Like everybody wants to be the first one to get this well, vaccine. I mean, I would, to be a little devil's advocate, I do think it's capitalism because of course, like, you know, someone's going to make a lot of money on the COVID vaccine. There are a lot of people who, like you said, their health is not permitting them to go out. And until that vaccine comes, they're not mm-hmm. going to feel like they can go out. And so there's also like the pressure of, hey, give me something so that I don't have to worry that I'm going to get COVID to Yes. Yes. And I think scientists are rushing for that too. They want to see humanity start moving again. We we talk about it mm. on our, our last recording. We we mm. interviewed Brad Thomas of Evercast. And this was before the the recent protests. We were doing our first topical episode about COVID-19. We thought, you know what, we don't usually, we try to do, keep the episodes more evergreen, but but because COVID is such a huge issue, we've got to address it. We interview Brad about COVID and we actually talked about the amazing environmental effects we've seen of everybody staying at home and, and that kind of uh, thing. And wouldn't you know, two days later, the, or like a week yeah. later, the the protests are up and Nobody suddenly this, about podca- this, this most topical podcast seemed out of date, you know, because yeah. now- it was just incredible. One week later, the world changed. The world changed again completely with yeah. you know with the protests around George Floyd and all of the incredible activism we've now seen as a result of that. So, anyways, are you comfortable talking about those topics? Because I would love to chat with you about that. Absolutely, I'm very comfortable talking about. You know, I'm very vocal online. I told myself I'm going to stop. I, I made a decision this morning. Like I'm going to stop talking about black pain. I'm going to talk about black joy. Because I think we don't see enough of it. You have been super outspoken on issues of racial justice as long as I've known you. Were you surprised by this most recent huge wave of activism? At the, the speed it spread across the world, I was very, very surprised. And then I started putting all the science together, the math together in reality. The Roman Empire was able to last so long because they offered people two things, bread and circus. And our little bit of bread is simple wage to live off of, our basic necessities. And our circus is sports. The world is obsessed with sports. And when both of those go away, people start looking at the problems they face. And I think George Floyd in particular, watching him, it was like 
you're watching some power, an authoritarian power, take the life out of you, like literally take the breath out of you. And I think the world was like, wow, that's happening to all of us. Everybody saw themselves as him versus their governments taking the world out of them. So I think that hit everybody worldwide. The biggest flaw I have with that was what happened to Breonna Taylor and the silence on her. And I, I know the treatment of black women and women in the world in general, doesn't matter what group and how quickly women go missing and destroyed by men. And nobody's really addressing that issue. And as the creators of life, we need to take care of women and make sure their needs are met. And then you watch the front lines of women, people fighting is predominantly black women fighting for the safety of black men. And that angers me because I'm like, it should be the other way around. You know, like this country has a problem with 68,000 black women disappearing in a year. Yeah. And there's no Amber Alert for any of them. They just disappear from the age of six to 66. I worked on a documentary four years ago about a lot of the rules and laws that have happened in the South that have never been turned over, mm -hmm. even as it relates to women's rights, even as it relates to black rights, even as it relates mm -hmm. to anything. And mm -hmm. it's very scary. The problem is nobody is educated in anything that anybody is doing. And so you put these people who want power, that's all they care about. And so I don't care if you're a security guard, you've chosen that because you get that moment of power. Why do we think that the office Officers in the Brianna in the Brianna Taylor story haven't been arrested. I think it's because she is a woman, and she's not only just a woman; she's a black woman, and that's the bottom rung. The only thing below her right now are considered Hispanic women. Do we think that the activists are going to accept that, though? You know, I think that what's been sort of interesting and and exciting about this latest movement is that mm -hmm. people are more tenacious than they have been in the past. You've got a broader support across social economic groups, races, standing up alongside mm -hmm. saying, we're not going to tolerate this. You know, we're seeing police reform as an yeah. important topic in the 2020 election. Mm -hmm. We're seeing Confederate statues mm -hmm. getting taken down. We're seeing problematic symbols like Aunt Jemima getting retired forever. Cops, the TV show got canceled. Even NASCAR. Got rid of the Confederate flag, which is shocking. Charles, this is the beginning of a new era. Or do you think this is just election year? politics coming into play? I, I think it's shut down politics. I think the more they open up, the less they have to worry about repercussions coming back. The moment the bars open up fully across America and I can serve alcohol, we'll see probably a lax on marijuana laws across the country. And they're like, as long as we can pacify and calm people down. I think we'll always have like Black Lives Matter is like multi-layered organization and they're moving, they're grooving and they're fighting for everybody. But I think the first time somebody throws a pitch across the home plate, open up a game, we're going to see a lot of this die down. Right now, we have nothing else on television. Nobody's watching ESPN Classic. We're not pacifying ourselves with sports and booze. And, and as a result, we actually are paying attention to the issues that matter. Paying attention. I think so. When you're watching the news, you're watching the news because you're trying to find out what's happening with COVID. Then all of a sudden, something else comes across and you're like, whoa, how did that happen? The number of people that have jumped into my DMs asking me what books to read. And since 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 Tamir Rice, I created a, a racial reader in Google Docs. I just cut and paste the Google Doc to everybody. Like, oh, you need books? Here. This is this two pages. This is the Black Fragility, PhD. You just read through all this. You'll understand more. That's so awesome. We'll go ahead and post that to our website too. I was looking at it today because one of our mutual friends in VR, he was like, Charles, mm -hmm. I, I now I understand your VR projects. It makes sense. There's so much I didn't know. I've had a number of friends tell me that they, they're feeling really pumped and optimistic. Are you feeling optimistic about all of this? 
I am feeling optimistic. I just don't want it to be driven by white guilt because you didn't know you're placed in a system your forefathers, forefathers created. And it just works a number on all of us. The way we treat women is based in that system. And, and how can you unlearn stuff that you don't know you need to learn in the first place? Don't you think it's generational? When I look at my children and I see how different they yes. were as I was to my yeah. parents and how different my children are to me, I see a difference. And I don't, I don't know if I'm seeing the difference because I want to see the difference. I, I think a lot of things nurtured and I think parents create that difference. Like that video of the, of the young girl, the young white girl yelling at her parents about racism and they're trying to convince her to be racist and she's refusing. The yeah, internet yeah. has opened a lot of doors <laughs> to people. Like how dare you mom and dad tell Tell me Hispanics are are, yeah. are wet backs and, and and evil and they all they want to do is come and steal our jobs when one of my best friends I've never met in person but I talk to every day online and we talk we have the same issues and same problems we're come conjuring up our own solutions for them is an evil person how dare you tell that I love that person more than I love you I'm forced to love you I chose to love that person and parents aren't ready for that and it is interesting like I'm watching a lot of our XR friends just speak up and I'm like wow yeah. yeah, I'm so impressed by some of the things they say when they drop in my DMs, they ask me questions like this person's on my page said this and I don't know how to properly answer that. Not offending my black friends. This is my response I'm thinking about. And I read through it and I'm like, OK, that's fine. It's totally fine. Post it. I was like, I just don't want to be offensive. I'm sorry I have to lean on you. And I was like, you can lean on me. That's what friends and family, that's what family's here for. So how do we, I have a question. I find it really interesting because I'm working in this startup and we did an all hands meeting. We had never before mm -hmm. had the entire company on one call. Mm -hmm. And so we'd looked at it and my head of communications texted me and she said, we are too white. We have no diversity. And I said, okay, now I'll go hire some people. But then mm -hmm. I went around to look and find, I couldn't find anybody. They're there, but they're hidden. There's a group called Blacks in Gaming, for example, it's full of black engineers. They just want to make games. I think the group has come into a safe space for black creators and people asking for advice to trying to find positions. Cause nobody, people, they don't get past the, the interview phase. You know, and especially if they they have a unique name that's Black American name. Interesting. And they don't get into the, even through the door. I get in the door because my name is Charles Babb. I've worked in engineering. I'm in love with mm -hmm. Jerry Lawson. Like people don't understand. I created my company. It was called Fairchild Consortium. And the person I created it after was Jerry Lawson, Gerald Lawson. And nobody knows who Gerald mm -hmm. Lawson is unless you dig. And you realize he created the video game console and the cartridge. He's the person that created that. He, without him, we would have got here a lot later. That's crazy. And he did it for, he created the Fairchild Channel F console and cartridge. Amazing. And people don't realize he had this dream of the video game industry liberating people. He formed the Homebrew Game Society with Wozniak and Steve Jobs. Even when they weren't friends, he was their trusted advisor on their boards. It's so crazy, this man's history. Unfortunately, he passed and he's like, your dad made some of the dopest games, the good video games up, up, up and running. And he created the cartridge. And what's made it bad was the company he was working for. They were like, if you don't do this well, we're going to fire you over this. We're going to, we're going to take a leap of faith and put money behind you. But if you fail, we're going to fire you. 
That is absolutely terrible. Part of the problem is I think that, again, I'll never know what it means to be a black woman, but I can tell you what Mm -hmm. it's like to be a a white woman living in a man's world in entertainment. I would look around the table and I would be the only woman. And I always felt like I was the 13 year old who had, who didn't know anything. Yeah. There's something to be said about that. I, I, I talk about that in my TED talk It's like, it's one thing to have people in the room. It's one thing to activate them to be a part of the actual project. And you have to bring people into the conversation and, and be open with them. I remember I was in a design room. I looked around. I said, hold up. And I got up and I got all the women in our studio and I brought them into the room and said, I'm bringing them to the design <laughs> meeting. They're like, why? I said, because I was the only person of any difference of you all. I'm the one black guy. The other black guy doesn't want to come in here because he's like, I got work to do. I'm not going in there. They're not going to make a decision anyway. So I got the women to come in to actually weigh in on this design decision, which is really bad. And I don't want to be the one to tell you all. Right. I think they should tell you. I think that the immersive industry likes to, you know, pat ourselves on the back for being, you know, more inclusive and and mm-hmm. progressive than the games industry. Has, has that been your experience? And how do you think we can be doing better? The immersive space, we really try to be better. People fall into patterns. Like we don't know that these systems exist. And the system is the easy button. When you go with the system, it's easier. Going against the system is hard. The system punishes you for seeking truth versus taking it as true. And that's one thing that the system does. Like, oh, you're seeking your own truth? Oh, no, we're going to punish you for that. But if you take us as the truth, as something true, we'll make, push it, make it easy for you. It's like going with the grain versus going against the grain. And I think immersion, we need to keep pushing it. Like, I think immersion's done a great thing with women. And I remember going to Oculus Connect and going to all the women talks and all the minority talks. And it's mostly women. And I love it. I love every minute of it. I think I I, I, reckon, I, I work better with women than men, naturally. Because with men, everything goes back to their dick. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it always goes back there. It's a thing. And <laughs> it's like everything goes back. We can have the greatest conversation. We can be talking about Jesus. And all of a sudden go like, oh, yeah, but my dick. It is and a you're thing. Like, <laughs> How do we get here? How do we get here? But I look around and I look at the, like for black men, there's three or four of us in the room and there's like 20 black women. And it makes me think, why aren't we here? And then I look at the the places they put black women, they Mm. put them in HR and diversity. If I see another black woman in diversity representing a tech company, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be angry because I know a ton of black women, engineers, artists, designers, give them positions. Unless they own the company, I don't care to see them outside the people actually doing the work. I would love to see the list. I- I'll give you a list. Join Facebook, Blacks and Gaming, and I'll let you in immediately, Marcy. I'm hiring right now. There's There are people <laughs> there. There are tons of them. There's seniors there that are looking for work. It's about the creativity. I don't think we see enough creativity from all of these different diverse communities. That's the problem. They don't have the pipeline. There's no pipeline. Like the pipeline from uh, middle school to prison it's well documented. It's so well documented that even the Dervinay can make a whole show on it. There's 15 million authors right now selling books like crazy on the pipeline from elementary school to prison and the history behind it. But we don't have a pipeline from elementary school into tech. Like that doesn't exist. The fact that I can go into Compton, I can go into Compton and I can prop up a VR headset and it's the first time they've ever seen one. They didn't know it even existed. Like they had no idea. The Oculus Rift has been out for almost a decade. And they had no idea that it even existed. And I prop it up in the classroom. And they're like, what is this? I got a PlayStation, but what is this? This is PSVR. 
What's that? I've never heard of that. And these are 16-year-old kids. They're savvy into video games. Have never heard of it, never seen it. What would be some ways that you could see building that pathway? I think exposure and access to the equipment to build. I talk about Unreal Engine and Unity Engine. They're like, what is that? And I'm like, this is the programs you do to make games. If you want to know how to program, program, start with Unity. If you want to design, design, you start with Unreal. They're definitely different. And this is what most of the games you play are created on top of. And I had to explain that to them. I was fortunate enough to have a brother six years older than me that sat there and put me in front of Commodore 64 and told me if I want to play any of the games he programs, I got to program with him and get blamed for all the bugs. Right. So for instance, you just say super fast computers with Unity installed in high schools or middle schools around South Central and other deserving communities would be a great start. Yes. So there's a group now called Urban TX Teen, Teens Exploring Tech. And it's for black and brown boys. Like there's Black Girls Co. There's a million programs for girls. It's the only one in LA for boys. That and Young Ambassadors who wants to do a, a tech program. And... And when made tech, TXT got challenged by a white woman about not allowing her daughters into that program. And she was like, he, the guy that owns it, he was like, look, I built this program based on kids in South Central and Compton. We're able to use, USC has been nice to us to allow us to use their facilities to teach these kids basics of engine and, and how to get into programming and ease that. And she was like, I don't care. There's no reason for a program like this to even exist. And he was like, have you looked at the statistics of black and brown boys in technology? He says, combined, they're less than 3% of all technological fields. And he was like, my program is to try to encourage them to go into this because they're being left behind again. And when he, he met me and I was in immersive, he's like, well, he, he said, he said, why did you join the good in VR and XR? I said, they've already built the world without us in mind. I'd be damned if we let them build another one without us in mind. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Charles, I would love for you, if you, if you don't mind, to send us send us links to all of these um, organizations and resources so that we can uh, put them in the show notes and on the website. And also, I love that idea of getting computers with Unity installed into these schools is that it's just it's simple, like it's tangible. So I'll say if you want my support in trying to help make that possible, I would be more than stoked to to do that. And I am happy to donate licenses from Evercast to get people to actually have inclusivity and togetherness. Well, I encourage everybody listening to follow Charles Babb on on whatever social media platform is your favorite, not only for the great, great insights and and great news coverage, but also to track what he's doing at Universal. Marcy, I want to try to do something new at the end of the episodes. We have so, so many interesting people on the podcast. I want to or something which is like, what's in your crystal ball? So there's a crystal ball in front of you, Charles. Uh-huh. And what do you see inside it? Freedom. Freedom. I, I'm, I'm going to do my own podcast and my own series on finding freedom. I've had a very diverse career ranging from politics to video games. And I'm one of the few people that, that have done what I wanted to do. I had a close friend say, imagine you talking to your 12-year-old self about the companies you work for and what you've done. He's like, who would have thought you worked for the biggest Japanese company in America, Japanese comic book company? Who would have thought you would have worked for the biggest game producer in America that actually made a console? And who would have thought you worked for the biggest entertainment company that makes actual movies and films in the world, moving their products across different lines, different countries and continents? He said, imagine what you would have told your 12-year-old self that you'll be all right, you can have a good life. 
Would you have believed it? I said, no, I wouldn't have believed it. I thought I was a little country boy going to a black school in college, hopefully to make one film. And he was like, look at you now. He says, so what, what drove you to do all this? I said, my search for freedom, to actually be free of everything, to do what I want to do. And I haven't figured out what freedom is. I know more about what freedom isn't than what freedom is. And so me looking for the freedom and whatever that is has allowed me to do what I've wanted to do in my life, my whole entire life. So I think that's it. I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Charles. This has been a wonderful conversation. And I hope we can we can make some strides on those computers with Unity on them. Yes, yes. I so want to do that. I'm teaching my, I'm trying to teach my niece how to do computer programming. And so we're gonna learn Unity together. I understand Unreal, but I don't understand Unity. And my brother was like, she doesn't know how to program. And she asked for a computer the same age he did. He called me up Christmas. He said, Guess what your niece wants for Christmas? I said, I don't know. What does she want? He said, She asked for a computer. So why she asked for a computer? He said she wants to learn how to program. And my brother was so giddy. He was like, "Oh my god, I had I didn't brainwash her. I didn't tell her she should do it." She just said, "Hey, Dad, you know what I want for Christmas? A computer, so I can learn how to program." I said, "That's what you did to mom and dad." He said, "Exactly. It's exactly what I did to mom and dad." So they built the computer together, and we're gonna make a game together this summer. I want her to be my business partner for games. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, you need to keep in contact with us. You need to give me all of the Google Sheets so that we can yes. put it on our website. Yes. You know, I think we need a sequel. Of, I think we need a Charles Bad sequel because there's so much we should be talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, like I said, it's, it was so fun chatting with you. And thank you for listening to our show at Always. I want to send a special thank you to Mike Mapsdorf, our amazing editor, and Abby Tate, who helps us produce our episodes. Please tune in again. And again, check out our website for those great resources. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for having me on here. Thanks for having me on Second Level. Appreciate it. The Second Level podcast is produced by Arcadian Productions, Abby Tate and Mike Matzdorf, who also edits our episodes. That's me. Thank you for listening. And please visit our website, secondlevelpodcast.com, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or the internet somewhere, all at Second Level Podcast. Please don't forget, if you enjoyed the show, like and subscribe and don't forget to tell your friends see you next time there's a lot that we don't know there's a lot that we don't know about technology this particular technology the quote r end quote technology the letter r that is vr ar mr I don't even know how many R's there are, but Marcy Jastro and Christina Heller do. Let me introduce them here on the Second Level Podcast, talking about making the jump from where we are to where we are going. There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that we don't know about technology. This particular technology, the quote R end quote technology the letter R that is VR AR MR I don't even know how many R's there are but Marcy Jastro and Christina Heller do let me introduce them here on the second level podcast talking about making the jump from where we are to where we are going There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that we don't know about technology. This particular technology, the quote R 
end quote technology, the letter R that is, VR, AR, MR, I don't even know how many R's there are, but Marcy Jastro and Christina Heller do. Let me introduce them here on the Second Level Podcast, talking about making the jump from where we are to where we are going. There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that we don't know about technology. This particular technology, the quote R end quote technology, the letter R that is, VR, AR, MR, I don't even know how many R's there are, but Marcy Jastrow and Christina Heller do. Let me introduce them here on the Second Level Podcast, talking about making the jump from where we are to where we are going. There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that we don't know about technology. This particular technology, the quote R end quote technology, the letter R that is, VR, AR, MR, I don't even know how many R's there are, but Marcy Jastrow and Christina Heller do. Let me introduce them here on the Second Level Podcast, talking about making the jump from where we are to where we are going. There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that we don't know about technology. This particular technology, the quote R end quote technology, the letter R that is, VR, AR, MR, I don't even know how many R's there are, but Marcy Jastrow and Christina Heller do. Let me introduce them here on the Second Level Podcast, talking about making the jump from where we are to where we are going.